Welcome to the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged by today's message and encounter God's heart through it. To find out more about us, visit lifechurchstpeters.com. In a series uh, called Culture, and it's a, it's a mini, M-I-N-I, it's a mini series we've been doing for several weeks now called Culture, and it's an acrostic, as, as you can see on the uh, overhead behind me. And the first week was Choice not control, unity, not uniformity, love, not law, truth, not twist. Uh, last time, I think it was last, uh, two Sundays ago, was ours real, not religious. Dana Medeiros did a great job on that two Sundays ago. Um, and this Sunday, we, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, we did, um, Dana did, did we miss a letter up there? It should be unoffended. We missed a U, but that's okay. That's probably me. So it was choice, not control, unity, not uniformity, love, not law, truth, not twist, unoffended is the missing you, unoffended that Dana Madeiras did. And this morning, we're going to do real, as a culture of this church, we are real, not religious. And for many of us, this is a, a huge thing as we've been around church culture for so many years. You know, it's just people put on pretense and they, they have what I used to call their Sunday face. If that makes sense, you can drive in, yelling at the kids, kicking, kicking the cat, because we don't kick our dog because we love our dogs, kicking the cat on the way in. But as soon as we show up to church, we put on our Sunday face, everything's bright, everything's beautiful, but that's just not reality. And one of the things that we strive for here at Life Church is to be real, to be honest, to be authentic. It's one of the big buzzwords over the last few years in the American culture is, especially young people, we want authentic. And there's something beautiful, something powerful about that is reality. And as I read through the Bible, as we read through the Bible, one of the things that always jumped out to me as I read this through the scriptures was everywhere Jesus went, everywhere, crowds came to him. Tons of people surrounded him, uh, called for him, wanted him. They were chasing him down. Where is Jesus? And I believe there's many reasons why that was. One, it was life. When Jesus showed up, life happened. Miracles happened. Teaching happened. The love of God. Heaven came to earth wherever Jesus was. He was loved. He was um, valued. Everybody, if you, didn't, if you didn't need a miracle, you wanted to come and see a miracle. Jesus was so real. He was so relatable. And I think what one of the, the main things, as the scripture points out, is the Pharisees were unrelatable. They were religious. They were uptight. They put rules and traditions on the people. But Jesus came on the scene and he brought heaven on earth. He brought what people wanted and it was contagious. Everybody was excited about it. Why? Because one of the biggest reasons I feel Jesus was real. Even the little kids weren't freaked out. You know, if you think about the, the, the religious and the uptight and the Pharisees, the little kids would just say, I don't want anything to do with people like that. And kids will tell you what is real. And I, and I, I think it's with my wife and I, we have four beautiful children. They're grown now. And we have three grandsons, which we were able to see this week. We had a birthday party up in Chicago. And when my grandsons... And my, my, our own four children, when they would meet people, sometimes they would say the truth. And they would say, I don't like him. And you're like, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. But kids will just, they're, they're not religious, most children. They will tell you the truth. 
And kids ran to Jesus. And he, the kids wanted to be around. Why? Because he wasn't, Jesus was not religious. Is not, he wasn't uptight. He wasn't untouchable. Everybody, even the little kids, wanted to be around Jesus. In the book of Matthew, crowd, or the word crowd or crowds is mentioned 50 times. Why? Because everybody wanted to be around Jesus. He made them, he made people feel seen. He made them feel heard. Jesus made people feel valued. He wasn't religious. Jesus it wasn't uptight and is not. When he was around people, he made them feel honored. I wonder if I, as I step into a room or I step into gatherings, I wonder if I bring that same presence where people feel like they can relate to me. I'm a real person. I'm a real Christian. You know, most of us are not. We don't have the, the church titles around us. And we're honestly, we're not real big with church titles here at Life Church. Um, we don't go, oh, Elder Bob, Deacon Joe, Deacon, Deaconess Susan. We're just not real big with titles. I, I am no more important than a nurse, than a doctor, than a school teacher, than somebody working at Target. Or at Lion's Choice. We love Lion's Choice. We don't do bad food. Well, I'm not even going to mention the bad restaurants. There's too many of them out there. But we love Lion's Choice and Chick-fil-A and the good places. But I don't call, say, Chick's, Chick Server Dorothy or uh, Lion's Choice Cook Guy Bob. We don't go by those titles. But in church, we want to do titles. See me, so many people want titles at church. But that's not the kingdom of heaven. Jesus treated everybody the same, whether it was a, a lady caught in sin or a, a, a Pharisee or a teacher of the law. Jesus taught and came and brought respect. Why? Because he is a, um, a real person. He's, he was touchable and relatable and still is. When Jesus came and walked the earth, um, people came to him wanting a miracle. They came wanting teaching, wanting, wanting heaven. Many people wanted Jesus to do what they were promoting. They want get rid of the Romans, kick these people out. We need a general. We need somebody who's in charge. But Jesus came to bring the reality of heaven, to make God known, to make him uh, relatable, to make him show this is my father. If you've seen me, you've seen my father in heaven. And Jesus wasn't moody. He wasn't cranky. He wasn't uptight. You could touch Jesus, physically touch him. You could physically see him and talk to him. Jesus, as the Bible presents him, seemed normal. Not some uptight, uh, floating three feet off the ground, weird guy. Jesus was who you wanted to be with. He is and was so real. Not phony, not religious, not uh, better than everyone else. The religious leaders of the day, they hated Jesus. And you can read throughout the Gospels interactions where the religious people, the, the leaders, were trying to trap him, trying to accuse him. And amazingly, it even says they were trying to kill him multiple times. Why? Because Jesus wasn't like them. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law, they wanted to be above the people and have all the honor from the people. But Jesus said, no, come and touch me. Come and listen to me. I am relatable to normal humanity. And because of that, the religious leaders of Jesus' day murdered him and put him on a cross. He was outside of their system. He wasn't trained in their traditions and their religious schools. But Jesus was trained in the school of heaven. I'm real. 
I bring the heavens, life to earth. You can touch me. You can be with me. And again, I, I ask myself the same question. Am I that way? Do people feel comfortable around me when they find out I'm a Christian? Or they feel like they have to change the way they are in order for them to be accepted by me? Jesus, what he taught, didn't come bringing deep theology and huge Bible words. There's, there's no mention in the New Testament of Jesus with his... Um, talking about theological deep premise and over the heads of people. And every, there's no mention of just the common people walked away wondering what Jesus taught. It was too deep for them. No, he, he taught in real, relatable, illustration things. He talked about vineyards. He talks about the birds, the, eye, the flowers, the condition of the soil of, of your heart. Jesus used real, relatable illustrations. Not like the religious people who love to be seen praying uh, pompous prayers in public just to be seen. Jesus was just the opposite. And in the culture of Life Church, we endeavor with everything to be real, to be the sort of people the world wants to be around. Real, not religious. And Jesus had real relationships. And that's where I want to go to this morning. Jesus had real relationships with real people. The people that he interacted with and called to be close to him were fishermen, tax collectors, men, women, Lazarus, Mary, Martha. They were friends. They welcomed him into his home. He didn't stay at, you know, the uh, extension of the Bible university because he was too good to be in people's houses. Jesus was relatable. The kids loved to be with him. Jesus related to the rich and the working class people without distinction. They were simply people who did different things. I wonder how I am. I wonder how people perceive me. Jesus is and was real. And it's part of, huge part of, why so many people loved him. At Life Church, we value being real, not posers. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not making fun of anybody, but through social media, we all see pictures uh, you know, of, of stuff. And I, I laugh at some of the pictures that I see people, and there's a stance by girls now. I don't understand the stance because I'm not, one, one, I'm not a girl, and two, I'm not young. But all these pictures, I always see the girls, they have their, their hips to the side, hand down here, and they all kind of have their head back, and posing for a picture. And how many Christians do I know, do I know seeming to do the same? As soon as they start talking about the Bible, they put on their Bible face and their religious face. We're, we're not posing for anything. We're real people with real lives, real answers, and we all have real challenges. And the world can relate to that, but they can't relate, I don't believe, to religious posing. My Wednesday lifestyle is no different than my Sunday morning lifestyle. Let me just read a quick scripture out of John chapter 2, verses 13 to 25. Again, it's just, and it's Jesus and the reality of Jesus and how he wanted, he was passionate, he was real, and you could see emotion in Jesus' life. He wasn't just some floaty guy, you know, uh, passionless, emotionless in, in life. Jesus expressed passion, which is real. John 2, verse 13. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. 
So Jesus made a whip out of cords, drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market or a business. Jesus' disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? These are the people who are making profit on the Jewish religion of the day. How can you do this? Show us a sign to prove that you can upturn all of our business ways in, in, the, in the temple. And Jesus answers them, answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it up again in three days. They replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three or destroy it in three days? Raise it up. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what Jesus had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. And here's a salient key point. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. Again, verse 24 and 25 of John 2. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people, and he knows all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. New Living Translation says this, but Jesus didn't trust them, the religious people, the posers, the, the uh, religious crowd. He didn't trust them. He didn't put his uh, need for attention and need for affirmation from them. Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. Jesus wants me to be real. He doesn't ever want me to pretend. He doesn't want me to ever put on false airs or something, acting like I'm something I'm not. He knows what's in my heart. When he was walking the earth, he knew what was in people's hearts. Don't have to act. You don't have to pose. You don't have to put on uh, airs and pretenses with Jesus. He hates it. Jesus wants us to be real and relatable. Not phonies, not pretenders in life. This morning, I'm going to talk about being real. And it's all about being in right relationship. I'm going to talk about being real with myself, being real with God, and being real with one another. Being real with myself, honest with myself, being real with God, and being real with people around me. First point, being real with myself. In Genesis 3, many of us will be familiar with the story. God put Adam and Eve in a garden, and he put two trees in there. And that was part of choice, not control, in our first, first week in the acrostic culture. God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life in the garden. And he said, choose. But he said, choose wisely. He said, don't do this. Do that. Choose not that. Choose this. 
And as we know in Genesis 3, mankind, Adam and Eve, chose poorly. And mankind fell and destroyed all of human history and all of the human race with uh, a desire and a lust for sin. But as God came looking for Adam, the Bible says that he was, Adam was hiding behind a tree. And the Lord God, the Bible says, the Lord God called out to him and says, Adam, where are you? And I always kind of laugh because God is God, right? He's God. And it's not like Adam's hiding behind a tree and God can't see behind trees. You know, it's not like God's saying, I can't find you. Where are you? Don't hide behind trees. You know, I can't see behind them. God was asking the question, not because he didn't know where Adam was, not because he couldn't see behind trees. God asked the question to Adam so Adam would have the recognition for himself. I'm hiding, God. I'm covering myself up. God knew exactly where Adam was. God asked the question so Adam would recognize in himself where he really is. God wanted revelation, understanding, acknowledgement. I'm in sin. I've fallen. God wanted Adam to be real with himself and to be honest with himself. Adam, where are you? Where am I? I'm hiding. Why? Because I've sinned. Why? Because I've fallen. I did exactly what you told me not to do. My wife and I, a couple of weeks ago, we were in Florida for a few days, and uh, we were in a part of Florida that we've been a couple times, but we didn't know where we were going for different things. And our GPS, one of those goofy things on your phone, it kept asking, do you, you know, I type in where I want to go, whatever restaurant or whatever location, and the GPS would say, do you want to use your current location? I'm like, duh. Yeah, I want to use my current location. I don't want it to start me in Indianapolis. I don't want it to start me in Albuquerque, New Mexico to go to the restaurant. I want it right here. But it's so funny. The honesty is, if I don't know where I'm really at in my own heart, if I'm deceiving myself where I really am, how can I get to where I want to go if I'm not honest with myself where I really am? Does that make sense? The GPS says, do you want to use your current location in order to get to where you want to go? Yes. I want to be real with myself. Where am I really right now with God? Honest assessment so that I can easily move forward. If, I, if I'm not where I want to be, I just want to be honest with myself. God loves reality. Tom, where are you? Am I in close heart proximity to you, Father? Or have I let things get in my life? Have I let things distract me? God wants me, my Father in heaven wants me to be real with myself, honest with myself, not lying to myself and being deceived, having an accurate assessment of who I am, where I am in relation to Jesus in my heart. One of the funny things I find in scriptures, and it's found in Numbers 12, verse 3. I don't know if you'll have the verse. Don't worry about it. But in Numbers 12, 3, the Bible says this. Moses was the most humble man to walk the earth. Moses was the most humble man. Which is, I mean, that's what an acknowledgement to have heaven's perspective. You're the most humble person on earth. That's amazing. The only problem is Moses wrote it about himself. And you would think that would be the ultimate disqualifier. If I, if I came to you and said, if anybody you know, who's the most humble? Well, it's me. Well, I'm going to think, well, you're foolish. You're disqualified. You're arrogant. 
But the actual truth was Moses was the most humble person on earth. So it's not to deny, you know, reality. Think, oh, I have to beat myself. I'm just a worm. I'm a horrible person. That's not being real. Saying what God says about me is real. Having an honest assessment of I do have strengths. I do have great areas of my life. And I also I have some under construction signs in areas of my life. And it's being real with myself so that I can move forward. I can, in reality, go from this point to that point. It's to be real. It's not to um, badmouth myself and think God's impressed. He's not impressed with that. Hebrews 10, 35 and 39 says, basically, do not throw away your confidence. Don't shirk back. You will be richly rewarded by stepping into who you really are. Pride is the opposite of humility. It's an inaccurate impression. So, Lord, I, help me. I don't, want, I don't want to lie to others about where I really am. I don't want to lie to myself about where I really am. Humility, you could sum it up in, in one way like this. Humility is don't think less of myself. Humility, don't think less of myself. Just think less about myself. Don't be so self-absorbed, Tom. It's a really big world. There's a lot of hurting people. Stop obsessing about me and my needs and what I want. Humility, don't think less of myself. Just think about myself less. It's being real and being in right relationship, him with me, just the two of us, honest with where I really am. How did Jesus relate to religious people? Not well, because they were pretenders and phony. It's right relationship, not religion. So many friends of, of Randy's and mine have given up on church because they've been around leaders who are just pretenders and big shots and wanting all the adoration and adulation of, of people around them and Pushing, pushing people around and demanding this and dictating this. Jesus was never like that. He says, feed them, bless them, take care of them. He never once went up to a sick person and said, have you been in church recently? Have you given enough money recently? Have you read your Bible enough recently? He, he, there was no prerequisite for healing. He loved everyone. And the scripture says he healed all of them with no check, check, check. You have to be right. You have to be good enough. Jesus just expressed love. Why? Because he loves people. G religious pretends. Religion pretends. Religion values uh, laws and traditions. God wants me in a relationship with him, just to be honest with him. So that's the first. The second point is being real with God, to talk to him. Yes, respectfully. Yes, honestly. But when I, when I come to my father in heaven, I can speak to him as my dad. I had a great father. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. But with my dad, I was not raised in church. But I didn't have to ever be religious with my natural dad. He was, he was an amazing man. He, he loved me. He raised me. But I didn't have to put on any pretenses because my dad knew what I was really like. My dad knew me. I never had to put on any phoniness. My dad would tell me when my attitude stunk, when my actions stunk, and he was quick to help me move from this to the other through positive motivation skills on my backside. I never had to be phony with my real dad. He wouldn't allow it. And our Father in Heaven says, Son, just come. If, you, if you're struggling, be real with me. Don't offer up religious, pretentious prayers. 
Here's probably the best prayer I've ever, in my 40-something years walking with God, my best prayer I've ever offered up to my Father in Heaven is this. Help. No pretense. No flowery, illustrative prayer to heaven. Just, Father, help, I'm struggling. That's the type of relationship our dad in heaven wants. Just real relationship. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. He said, you know, you go on these long prayers to impress people. It's not real. He wants me to relate to him. When I'm struggling to go to him, to talk to him. I don't, and, and it's not to go and talk to 30 other people before I turn to my father. That he's my first port of call. He's my first person I come to. He wants reality of relationship with me. He knows me. Why in the world would I try and be flowery or pretentious with him? I think one of the reasons why uh, God loved David so much and David, as we, as we know, made some massive, massive miscues, some massive mistakes. The Bible says he was, David, later in life, was a murderer and adulterer. And it was, it was planned. It wasn't just a one-moment infraction. The whole thing was just, it was just insidious and it was bad. It was wicked. And yet God loved David. Loved him with his whole heart. And in the, in the scripture in 2 Samuel, uh, David, in his, while he was still in sin and still hiding and still thinking it was okay, a prophet, Nathan, came to David and gave him an illustrative story. And David understood in that moment, God knows, this prophet knows. And David, in just full humility, said, I've sinned. It's me. I'm not going to blame anybody else. I'm the one that's done all this. And God said, that's my son. It's a real relationship with God. Instead of blame shifting and saying, well, this, and you didn't do that, God. It's like, Father, I've sinned against you and you alone. And that's the relationship that our Father in heaven, it's a real relationship. How am I doing? Am I pushing into that? Am I leaning into that relationship with my Father in heaven? So it's being real with myself. It's being real with God. And then third, it's being real with each other, real with the people around me. And this is, this is where it can get a little dicey, a little dodgy at times. Somebody at church comes up to you. Hey, Floyd, how you doing? You can be Floyd for just a moment. Hey, Floyd, how you doing? And typical, and I'm blessed. I'm great. I'm good. Wonderful. Things are going good. No matter really what the real answer is, there can be a tendency just to give the Christian church response. How you doing? I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. And that is, and I'll talk about, there is a reality to that. An absolute reality. But when was the last time somebody came to you, Tom, you, Floyd, Carl, Carla, and said, how are you doing? And you said, I'm struggling. I'm, ha I'm having a rough time right now. When was the last time I was real with somebody? When I'm not feeling so blessed. I'm not feeling so highly favored. And again, I, I, wanted, I will open this up just for a second and explain. Because there's two very, very different things involved here. But what Jesus demands, what Jesus wants, what Jesus is looking for is a reality of relationship with each other. It's so easy for the hurting people. They can hide through our words, through our putting up, you know, walls that are 30 foot high that are unscalable to any human being. And that's not what our father in heaven, that's not what King Jesus came 
to bring heaven earth so that I can hide, hide my failures, hide my disappointments, hide my, my, my problems. He wants us to be real with each other. Now, there's a challenge in that. Because here's the problem for, for me. Like I said, I, I became a Christian in 1977. I've been a Christian almost 44 years now. And this is what I've learned. There are some people I can turn to. There are some people I can be vulnerable with. There are some people I can be transparent with. There are some people I can be, quote, unquote, authentic with. And there's other people I will not do that with. They don't really care for me. They're gossips. They are not wise themselves. They will not give me um, actual assistance in helping me out of the pit that I may be in. So my wife and I, we have uh, valuable relationships with people that we trust and we know that when, when somebody says, Tom, and in fact, it, I'll just be honest with you, several weeks ago, within the last couple of months, uh, Randy and I went out to breakfast with some dear friends of ours. And it was kind of an opening volley. We had just sat down, got our coffee, and we sat at a restaurant. And the gentleman looked at me. He said, Tom, how are you doing? And I said, I'm struggling. I'm having a really tough time. And over the next hour and a half, we just talked about what it is that I was struggling with. But see, that person was a dear friend. And I've known him for years, and I trust him. And it's being real with people in my life. And my question is, do I have those sort of friends that I can be real with? Because we all need those people. We need those relationships in our life where we can be real and transparent and authentic. That's what, that's what God has designed us for, is relationship. And there, my wife and I have several people in our, in our world, in our uh, experience, where we can be really vulnerable with people and say, could you pray for us? We are having problems. Can you pray for, I am having problems. In this, in Life Church, we so value people. We so value friendships and reality. We has a, have it as part of our culture. We want reality. We want real, not religious. Who is it that I can be honest with? Who is it that I can be vulnerable to and say how I'm really doing? Now, that's one side. The other side is this. I struggle with what I call the Eeyores of life. Has anybody ever met somebody called, you know, like Eeyore? And every time you walk up to them, hey, Bob, how you doing? Oh, it's horrible. Life is bad. It might be sunny for you. It's rainy for me. And their whole experience is negative. They have nothing to give Thanksgiving for. They have nothing to uh, elicit Pleasure from heaven to say, I am blessed. Their whole world is negative. And I'll be honest with you, I run from those people. I do, I do, I do. I try and love them as best I can. But as far as a real reality of friendship, I don't have a lot of Eeyores as my close friends. I have all my friends have issues. All of my friends have challenges because I'm that for them. But for people who are just constantly negative, constantly can't give Thanksgiving, can't see anything good about their life, that's the opposite of, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. The other people, I'm hurting, I'm hopeless, and I'm always going to be hopeless. You're like, hmm. Neither one of those is fully real. For the people who say, you know, I'm blessed and highly because I am wired that way myself. Typically, it's, it's simply understanding this. I've been able to lightly travel a lot of different places in the world, and as a 
an American, I recognize I am blessed and highly favored. I have a house. It's not made of cardboard. I don't have a tin roof. I, I'm not living underneath a viaduct. Clearly, I'm not emaciated from lack of food. I am well-rounded as a person and growing more well-rounded in life. I'm working against my roundedness. I have two cars. My wife and I have two cars. We live in a house. In the cold, it produces heat. In the heat, it produces cold. I have a light that pops open on my refrigerator. I have a flush toilets in my house. There are more than one bedroom in my house. I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. Even if I'm having a lousy day, I am blessed. That's the reality. It is. I am, we are blessed if you live in this country compared to so many other people. So if I, if I know I'm one of those Eeyore sort of people, can I change my, my glasses? Can I, the lenses that I'm looking through, can I understand I am so blessed compared to 90% of the world? I am blessed. And I'm also having some troubles right now. I have some real issues, whether it's relational, my health, finances, my job. It's simply to be real. I am blessed and I have some challenges. And who are those people, those people that I can be open and honest with? Do I have them? And if I don't, say, Father, I want folks into my life. I need people that I can be vulnerable with who aren't going to talk about my business with everyone else in the, in the world. And they actually have something to give me. They have real answers as broken people themselves. But Lord, they, they can help me. Don't, don't let me be hiding in the shadows my entire life and living with my current problems for the rest of my days. God has called me to leave sin, to leave my insecurities, to leave my fears, and to move forward knowing because I'm human, I probably always will have more to unravel in my life. Lord, I want, I want to uh, surround myself with people where I, one, I can help them, and two, they can help me. It's reality of relationships. Do I have friends? Do I know how to have real friends? It takes transparency. It takes reality. So I'm going to close with this in the next 90 seconds. Great, great, but how? Well, how do I do this? How do I go from this to that where I'm, um, I, I don't want to be religious. I don't want to be funny. I do want to be just like Jesus where I, I've, I'm bringing heaven to earth. But Lord, I've got my own struggles. How do I be real? What is Jesus looking for in me? First, great, but how? If I'm just struggling, Find somebody, go to somebody that you respect and honor and be transparent with them. Let them know this is my, nobody knows. I, if you're married and I'm struggling with my marriage, here, here's where I really, can you help me? I'm not going to continue just blaming my spouse. I'm involved. I'm part of the problem. Can you help me grow? To be real, to go to people, friends that you can laugh and you can cry with. Second thing is to stop comparing myself to other people. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says this. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some, uh, some who commend themselves, uh, have self-importance. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Basically, the Bible says this. It's a foolish, things to foolish thing to compare yourselves one to another. Stop saying, well, my house isn't that big and it's not this. Lord, I, just, I, I can walk in. I just, I just want to be real. I don't want to compare with everyone else. I'm not, I, I am, I'm not Kurt Warner. I am, I am not 
Albert Pujols. I, I'm not, I can't sing like Celine Dion. I, and I stopped comparing myself. And I just want to be Tom. I want to be the best Tom I can possibly be. What am I, honestly, what am I gifted in? Can I, you know, in, in reality, am I, am I gifted at cleaning? Am I gifted at helping? Am I gifted at serving? Just be real with myself. Be real with God. Be real with those people around me. Here's the third and last thing in closing. Great, but how? How do I do this? Admit my, when I'm wrong. Admit when I'm wrong. Admit it quickly. Assume responsibility. God, like with King David, he, was a, he committed murder, premeditated murder, and he committed premeditated adultery. Why did God allow him on the throne? Because he says, it was me. I'm honest. I'm transparent. I'm humble. I'm not blaming everyone else and blame shifting. Just be honest with where I'm really at in life and then move forward. Don't live in the pigsty. Step out and step forward. Admit where I'm wrong. Stop blaming people around me. Assume responsibility and begin to change. At Life Church, we, we love real, not religious. We love reality, not pretenders. Amen? So let's pray. Father, I thank you for sending Jesus that we could understand what you're really like, Father, because we can see and understand and comprehend and relate to Jesus, the, the champion of all of history, the Messiah, the only perfect one, the only uh, truly uh, real person who's ever walked the earth in, in total transparency. Lord, I want my life to look like Jesus. I want to emulate him in every way. I want to stop comparing myself to other people. I don't want to be an Eeyore. I don't want to be just um, uh, religious answers all the time. I want to have real relationships, real friends. I want to be honest with you where I really at. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you never push me away. But Holy Spirit, you always call me close. You always call me to you. So help us, Father, as a family at Life Church. Help us to express this value, this part of our culture. I want to be real. I want to be authentic. I want to be transparent with people that are not going to harm me, but people are going to help me. Bless us as a church family to continue grow and change. And we thank you for your kindness and your goodness. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Have an awesome week. Thank you. Thanks for checking out the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. For more podcasts and additional information, visit us at lifechurchstpeters.com.